As we begin, I want to uh, share just a few words uh, briefly. Uh, as Eric has so wonderfully laid out for us the, the plan over uh, the next few months, I just want to remind us that this is the church of Christ. This is his church. It's, it's the one we attend. It's the one we are a part of. But he is Lord. We need to remember that. As Eric has shared, he and I are here to serve Portage Bible Church. And we want to put your mind at ease that we are here for you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to love on you. We're here to encourage you. The plan is in place. Jesus Christ is in control. He, uh, be patient with us as we navigate, as we make decisions. Pray for us that the Lord would give us wisdom as we, we guide you in the weeks and months ahead. We are here for you, and if you have questions and you want to be prayed with, please come seek us out. Call us, text us, whatever it may be, and, uh, and we'll pray with you. I want to encourage you that uh, in this, this role, this temporary role, Sunday school, please come out. Please come learn with us. As we, as the Word of God is open Sunday morning to be proclaimed, the Word of God will be taught. Look forward to Missions Month with our guest speakers. Please be in prayer for them. One, one thing we often don't draw attention to, but Wednesday night prayer meeting is a wonderful time of prayer, of teaching, of learning, and encouraging. So I, I encourage you, come out. Join us in prayer to pray for one another, to pray for our church family. This month, the month of February, these four Sundays today and, and moving forward, we're going to have a short series from Scripture titled, One Another, One Another. In the book, in, in, the, in the Bible, throughout the various Gospels and into the New Testament, there are 59 One Another statements in Scripture. And we're going to take this month and look just at a few of them. From the, from the apostles in the book of Romans, Galatians, and so forth. So as we begin this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the letter of Paul from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we will be this morning. And as we turn there, let's open in a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are Son Jesus, whom you sent into this world to pay the price for our sins and rise again from the dead. The one who is seated at your right hand, interceding for us, preparing a place for us, and one day will come again to bring us to yourself. Father God, I pray this morning as your word is preached. I pray, Father God, that you would graciously speak through me, prepare my heart, prepare the hearts of those who will be listening. Father God, let us recognize with the Apostle Paul that we are not sufficient for these things because our sufficiency is of Christ who is sufficient in all things. So I pray, Father God, that you would guide us and lead us in your truth. Teach us, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12. As Eric has read for us this morning already, verses 9 through 13, we're reminded how 
we are to live as the body of Christ, how we are to live as followers of Jesus Christ as we are called to honor him. And in this portion, in this text specifically, we want to look at verse 10, where two of the 59 one another passages are found. Right in one small verse, two of them are found. The text says for us, Romans 10, Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The title of our message today is Honor One Another. That we are called to live with brotherly affection as followers of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, pointing one another to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we honor one another? Honor is seen as God's people live out the calling as followers of Jesus Christ, treating one another with care, loving one another in our conduct, and pointing one another to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Rome, is fervent in his desire to see the body of Christ grow, and rightly so. In, not, in, in the first 11 chapters, Paul clearly lays out for us the danger of sin, how lost we are apart from Christ, and that God has sent his Son to pay the price for our sin. As Romans 5.8 tells us, even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he goes on in Romans 8.1 to tell us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He talks about our sanctification. He talks about our justification. He talks about our glorification. Everything we have in Christ, that we are his. To not set our minds on the things of the flesh and the things of the world, but on Jesus Christ, the one who paid the price for our sin. And now here in chapter 12, Paul transitions to the practical application. How are we to live as followers of Jesus Christ? To be the body. How are we to live and conduct ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ? How are we to love one another and honor one another as followers of Jesus Christ? We will know that we will honor one another when we seek to live out the truth of Scripture and apply what it says. So we come to our text, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Point number one this morning for us. Love another with brotherly affection. Love one another is the first point this morning. Of the 59 one another passages found in the New Testament, most of them, a good portion of them, I shouldn't say most, a good portion of them have these words. Love one another. That we are called as the body of Christ following the Lord Jesus Christ to love us as he to love one another as he first loved us that we are pointing one another rightly and fulfilling what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship a passage we're very familiar he goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed.
transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. How do we know that we are walking in the will of the Lord? How do we know that our minds have been transformed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God? It is seen in our actions. It is seen in our demonstration. That we know the Lord, we're walking with Him, and we're loving one another. How we love one another shows that the Lord has truly changed us, that He has truly transformed us, and that He is indeed indwelling us. That as chapter 12 unfolds for us, we see that loving one another is walking in obedience to the Lord, walking in the will of the Lord, doing that which is outwardly showing that Christ is in us, that the Holy Spirit is renewing our minds day by day. A Christian is one who has been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ, who will grow in love and care and affection for Christ and for his church. One commentator said regarding this passage, it is an unusual linguistic combination of brotherly affection with love and a natural affection for the church. For the church is the body of Christ, the family. Turn with me, if you would, briefly to the, to the letter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. As the Apostle Paul says elsewhere, that we are the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes verse 15. He says, if I delay, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Paul's words to the church, he says to Timothy, if I delay, tell this to the church, you know how you are to live, how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the place of truth you are the body of Christ, as he says elsewhere. He says also in 1 Timothy chapter 5, reminding us that we are a body. We are members, each of one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. He says to Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as sisters, and younger women as sisters in all purity. This is how you conduct yourself. And this falls back on our big idea this morning we are to honor one another. That as Christ calls us to live as a body of Christ, treating each other with mutual respect and love and care and service, that we are the body of Christ. The love that is shown is, is a, from the original language, is a word that is, is common to us. Phileo or Philadelphia. Philadelphia love. That love of brotherly affection want to care so much that we love dearly. We love dearly. It, it's not so much emotion. It's a choice. It's a decision. Say, Lord, you have loved me beyond like what I can imagine. The Lord Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin. We love because he first loved us. And so he shows us what it means to love how we are to do just that. It is why we are not to be so critical of one another, judging one another, pointing one another and saying, why are you doing that? Why are you behaving this way? No, it is a fervent love of, 
affection towards one another. That when we see a brother or sister in Christ straying, we don't point the fingers at what do you think you're doing? We say, how can I help you? Do you realize what you're doing? Let me show you the love of Christ. I'm going to rebuke you in your sin, but not by pointing the fingers at get your act together. I'm going to come and walk alongside you and why are you struggling? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Do you know that this behavior is contrary to Scripture? Do you know that what you're doing is not pleasing to the Lord and to love one another with brotherly affection? It takes love. It takes that choice. Because if it's riding on our emotions, we can easily talk ourselves out of it based on how we feel. But if it's that decision out of brotherly affection, out of fervent zeal, we will go and say, how can I love you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I love you with brotherly affection or sisterly affection and say, how can we honor the Lord Jesus Christ together? Love one another with brotherly affection. Here's a question for us to consider this morning. And this really comes down to self-examination, as the scripture tells us to do. Do we see that kind of love here at Portage Bible? see one another loving each other fervently, zealously, compassionately, meeting one, meeting one another's needs, so fulfilling the law of Christ, going to one another saying, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I pray with you? What do you need? How can I pray? Hey, I know you've been struggling. Hey, I know so-and-so has been struggling in your family. I've been praying for them. How can I help you? How can I encourage you? If we, have not, if we are not seeing this kind of love with brotherly affection for one another. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to point one another to the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst? How are we going to say, I want to love you fervently. I want to love you affectionately. Meaning, I want to be devoted to you. I want to be devoted to God's people, to God's church. Encourage one another. Help one another. Serve one another. This is the love of devotion. This love of affection. Another commentator says this. They express this affection with true devotion, not objective detachment. An emotional hand, an emotional bond is implied to God's people. Something is wrong. When people care for one another, when people don't care for one another as they should, something is wrong in the body of Christ when they have more care and compassion for their household pet. I fervently agree with that. Are we devoted to the body of Christ, the church? Are we devoted to loving one another as Christ has called us to love? Are you devoted to the body of Christ this morning, this year? Pastor Tony Evans says this, love is associated with emotion for sure, but it starts with the decision to compassionately righteously seek the well-being of others. That decision is founded in the truth that a fellow believer, we see them as our brother and sister in Christ. How are we doing at loving affectionately? This leads us to our second point this morning, still there, found in verse 10. Another, one of the other one another passages which says to us, outdo one another 
and showing honor. Outdo one another. That is honor one another. Our second point, honor one another. We are to honor one another by seeking to help and serve one another. This outdo one another is not some form of manipulation, some form of one-upmanship, some form of pride that says, I'm going to show my church all the things I can do for the Lord. No, it's seeking to go out of our way simply to serve and show honor, respect, to pour out blessings on one another. It is not a prideful one-upmanship, but rather showing forth our character, our conduct of helping, of serving, of rejoicing, of crying together, of seeking to uplift one another before I lift up myself. Outdo one another is, a, is something that we, I think, often associate with a, in a prideful way because we are so competitive by nature. But Paul's point here is, it's not about recognition. It's not about status. Your outdoing one another is meant to show forth your character in Christ, to seek the well-being of others. As Paul rightly says elsewhere in the letter of Philippians chapter 2, he says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with, with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Have this mind among yourselves. It is the mind of Christ who paid the ultimate price, who is humbled by coming to this earth to pay the price for our sins. Now briefly, we want to look at here in verses 11 through 13. Verses, verse 10 is our main point this morning, but verses 11 through 13 show very practically how we love and how we honor one another in our actions. Paul gives us very tangible things, very tangible examples to use to show how we love the Lord, how we love one another, how we honor one another. He says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of, needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. These verses show us how to love and honor one another. Firstly, it tells us, don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be critical. Be devoted our service to the Lord. That's verse 11. Don't look for the easy way out. Don't be slothful in zeal. Rather, serve the Lord. Look for ways to honor Him. But verse 12 also go, tells us to rejoice in hope. Where is our hope found? We, we are hoping in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in the day that He's going to come. And what a day that will be. We take our eyes off that far too much, I believe. We live as, this, as if this world is all there is. This, we live as, as if this world is our home. But Christ is going to come back, and that is our hope. Until that day, we live with that hope. That hope should be evident. Paul says in verse 12, Rejoice, Be patient in tribulation. Life is hard. Trouble comes. If anything, this past year has showed us that tribulation is real. And yet, even still here in America, we have so many blessings. You follow this, this Christian news site, which, which is very wonderful because it speaks truth. 
And yes, so many times throughout the week, one of the major articles is another beheading in Africa. Another church has been burned down by extremists. And yet they are still meeting together, rejoicing in tribulation, being patient, waiting on the Lord. And even through that, many are coming to salvation. Paul reminds us in verse 12, in verse 12 also, to be constant in prayer. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for God's people. Don't stop interceding. Be constant. This isn't my prayer time, and this is the other time of things I do. Prayer is our life. Pray without ceasing. Be constant in prayer. In verse 13, seek to meet the needs of fellow believers. Show hospitality. Hospitality does not mean just simply having people over for a meal. It does include that, but it's not only that. Hospitality is simply opening up our lives and being with people. Talking with them, praying with them, helping them, and meeting tangible needs. Food and clothing, housing, all the above, pointing one another. How are we doing that as Portage Bible Church? Is our fervency in the Lord there? Is our zeal for the Lord there? Are we patient with one another? Are we patient with the circumstances? Are we rejoicing and being patient during the times of difficulty? And are we continuing steadfastly, so consistently in prayer? If not, we need to ask ourselves these questions and learn. Here's the questions. When have we been slothful? That is, when have we been complacent in our love for the Lord and our love for one another? That's a place we need to examine each of our own hearts and our minds. Where have we been slothful? Where have we been complacent? We're going on, as the text tells us. Where is your hope bound? Paul says, rejoice in hope. So I ask you, where is your hope bound this morning? Is it found in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it found in just trying to make it through another day? set on Christ. How is your prayer life? What makes up the substance of your prayer if and when you pray? Are you praying more for yourself or are you praying more for others? Or are you bringing rejoicing before the Lord, saying, Lord, you are in control and you are the one who knows all things. Another question to ask ourselves is what needs have we met where have we not met the needs of our brothers and sisters? And sometimes we simply haven't met needs simply because we don't know the need exists. Because we are not being hospitable. Because we're not opening up our lives. Because we're not sharing with one another. And that's not making it a formal announcement. It's not making it known to everybody. It's simply going and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Help me. Hey, I'm struggling. Pray for me. Hey, I'm struggling. I could really use your hand in this matter. And simply, we know we want to serve. We know we want to help. But we so compartmentalized each of our lives so individually, we forget to ask. And so needs aren't met simply because we don't know the needs exist. We need to do just that. If you can't answer any of these questions or only some of them, it's time to ask ourselves, are we truly honoring one another and outdoing one another as we should, as the text so 
rightly tells us. And by way of reminder, as we draw to a close this morning before communion, I want to point out one more one another passage. That's point three for us. It's not found in verse 10, but it is still found in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Verse 16 tells us this. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. That's our point. So we love one another, we honor one another, and we live in harmony with one another. If we have been honoring one another, we will live in harmony. We will live in unity as a body of Christ. But if we have not been honoring one another, harmony is going to be a hard thing to come by. So we ask ourselves, how can I honor one another as part of the body of Christ, pointing one another to the Lord Jesus Christ? As verse 16 goes on to tell us here, after it says, live in harmony with one another, he says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never, never be wise in your own sight. Our affection for one another, to honor one another, is an action that involves not just mere words and sentiment, but a love that is shown in demonstration. One commentator says this, Paul's language here in verses 16, verse 16 gives the idea of Christians sharing the same thought with respect to one another. Another indication that they have truly been transformed by the renewing serving and making ourselves available as a body of Christ. So how do we know if we're living in harmony with one another, as the text tells us? Seeking to show one another respect, not being haughty, but associating with the lowly. It can simply, I think, be summarized like this. Who are you or who are we avoiding? Paul says, do not be haughty, but associate with the Never be wise in your own sight. Who are we avoiding? Who are we avoiding serving? Who do we make sure we go out of our way that we don't have to talk to? A dangerous thought, but a real one. To be haughty is to be full of ourselves, to be proud, to think that we know better. To go out of our way to make sure that we don't have to do the thing we don't want to do, even though Scripture how have we been sharing our lives with one another in service? Or have we rather been seeking to serve ourselves instead of brotherly affection? Who are we not, who are we avoiding so that we don't have to associate with the people because I'm better than them or I wouldn't do what they would do or I wouldn't do it that way? It says never do that. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't think you have all the answers. I have to say that to myself. I don't have all the answers can easily think that because we disagree with somebody else that we can are more superior or smarter or more wise than them, more life experience, whatever the case may be. But a practical sign of humility is an example that I don't have all the answers. I don't. None of us do. But we simply seek to honor one another. And this is a simple, tangible way. How do we seek to honor one another? It's not by avoiding, but it's by being diligent 
time to examine ourselves, not to heap condemnation on ourselves, not to make ourselves feel guilty because we may have failed, but rather to truly examine ourselves as a church, to behave differently than the world around us, to seek to show that Christ is indeed indwelling us through the things that we do, to show Christ boldly, to show that he is truly indwelling us as a body. When we honor one another, we are showing that Christ truly is of us. As we examine ourselves, I now want to turn us to the time of communion.